morning, church. I trust you are all well. While we continue in lockdown level three, meeting via the camera, meeting via technology. Yes, we, we could have met in a building this morning in the Asia Fear Fear, but we chose not to rush into reopening Robertson Reformed Community Church. And I just want to thank you all for your understanding, your support, your love, and your prayers. I hope you're all comfy in your lounges, in your homes, and if you have a Bible, please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to continue to preach from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be reading from verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so, so that you, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another beautiful morning. We can gather around your word, the sacred scriptures, and they give us hope. They're there to give us hope, they're to build us up and to make us strong and courageous. So I pray, Father, now as I come to continue to preach from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, that you would give me understanding and help me to be clear and help me to, to make your truth known in a clear way so that we can, who listen to it, can hear it, and apply it. But help us now, Father, to, to see what your word has to say about behavior in the church as I continue with this passage. Have mercy upon us all, Father. Comfort us now. Help us to listen. Thank you for our ears. Thank you for our life. Thank you for all that you give us. Thank you again for eternal life. And I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Like I said, this morning we're going to continue with our sermon behavior in the church to see why it is important to behave in the church God's way, God's standard, the way that God approves. And the question I asked last week was, is it important for Christians to know how to behave in the church? Can we behave as we please in the church? You know, can we arrive one Sunday morning and because we're all anxious and we're, we're concerned about our future and maybe this country, that we can just play any music, that we can just decide, okay, I'm going to put on a song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Can we just play any music? Can we just come through that door and just do as we please? Sing what we want to sing, like, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Read what we want to read. Don't worry. Be happy. Or preach what we want to preach. Don't worry. Be happy. Or pray what we want to pray. Don't worry. Be happy. Or maybe we end up sounding like a stuck record. But is that what we want to do in our church? Just do as we please. And is it right? Can we? You know, if I go into a grocery store... Can I just walk into an aisle where they sell 
bottled water and then take that bottle of water and walk into another aisle and look for the shampoo and then just decide to wash my hair there and then in the grocery store? Can I just do as I please as I walk into shops? Can we do as we please as we go about living in the church, in our homes, in our workplaces? Now, last week we looked at a, a lovely Old Testament story. We looked at two to see that the Israelites, the kings and the priests could not behave as they pleased according to God's word. But here's another another great story of King Saul. Now, there was a time when Samuel the prophet went to King Saul and told him, he said, Saul was told by Samuel the prophet, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 1 to 35, so Saul, who was told by Samuel the prophet, thus says the Lord, you must go and strike the Amalekites. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, can Saul do as he pleases? Well, let's have a look and see what happens. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And then he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, the fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil and sheep and oxen, the best of things, devoted to destruction. To sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Isn't that amazing? Verse 21. But the people took off the spoil. There we see blame shifting. Just like in the Garden of Eden. Adam blaming Eve. She told me to eat of the fruit. And here he blames the people. Pick up verse 23. Verse 22. But Samuel said, Has the Lord 
as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as inequity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Did Samuel obey God? Did Samuel obey God's word? What he did, was it pleasing to God? No. He feared the people. And he allowed the people to control him. And, and how many pastors will get into the pulpit and fear the people and say what the people want him to say? He will tickle the ears because he fears them instead of giving them the truth. And so Saul disobeyed God's word. He thought he could do as he pleased. But no. It's God's way, God's standard alone. Not our ways plus God's ways. So can pastors and the congregation behave as they please in their churches according to God's word? No. Can we do this in our homes? Can we do this in our workplaces? No. But before we move on to our second factor from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, to challenge us to see why it's important to behave in the church God's way, let's just recap our first factor that challenged us last Sunday to see why it's important to behave in God's church, God's way. And the first factor was the church is the place of the living God. And we read that in verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. The church is the household of the living God, where God dwells with his people. It's a special people that are clothed in Christ's righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might be clothed in Christ's righteousness and go and worship our Father in spirit and truth. It was Jesus that loved the church. He loved the church and gave himself up for the church. For us to come together clothed in his righteousness to worship God in spirit and truth in a building called the household of God. Which is the church of the living God. And God, before the foundation, he was preparing a community of people on the earth to worship him. God has always been in the process of saving individuals to establish a corporate body, the church, a family of God. Like I said, someone said, just as there was a corporate body, Israel, in the Old Testament, there is a body of people in the New Testament, the church. And it has always been that way. God has always been preparing a people, a community of people on earth to worship Him, the true living God, together as an assembly of people who come together on a Sunday. But unfortunately now we are scattered because of COVID-19. But we're still the church, united together as one in Christ. We are the body of Christ 
and individually members of it. And we are connected and we still are together, connected together, even as we are scattered in our homes. Like I said the other morning, we are still under a roof, the sky, made not by man's hands, but created and made by God alone. And what makes the church so different? Well, Scripture says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God's presence makes the difference. God dwells with us, with the true church, where we gather together as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, God dwells with us. And we have fellowship with God. The church is God's family, with God's children, fellowship with God himself. So this first factor is important. It's important to know that the church is the place of the living God. And it's important to know that because of our behavior. We have to behave according to God. If we want God to dwell with us, then we need to behave according to His Word so that His presence can be with us and He can dwell with us and we can fellowship with Him. But here is our second factor. The second factor to challenge us to see why it is so important to behave in the church God's way. And it is the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth. Let me read it again in verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Then he says, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now the words pillar and buttress, and I will replace the word buttress with foundation. In some translation, the, the word foundation is, is accepted. So the words pillar and foundation, these terms for the church would have been understood by Timothy in Ephesus. Now in Ephesus, we need to know that there was a great temple called the Temple of Diana. And it was a massive temple. It was 110 meters long. Now a rugby field is 120 meters long from dead ball line to dead ball line. The temple was 55 meters wide. A rugby field is 70 meters wide. And this temple had 127 pillars that were 19 meters high. A rugby field has four pillars. That's the rugby poles. And they are 16 meters high. So you can now visualize, imagine this, this massive temple. 127 pillars. And these pillars supported a massive, shining marble roof. So when people came from all parts of the world to Ephesus, they would see this roof made of marble reflecting if the sun was reflecting on it. And the people would know there's the temple where they can worship the goddess Diana. So Timothy in Ephesus would have known what Paul was saying about the church of the living God, a pillar and foundation of the 
truth. It's a lovely metaphor that Paul uses of the church. In, 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 in this metaphor, the church is the foundation and pillar that holds up the truth. Just like the temple was holding up this massive, shining marble roof. So God's church, the foundation and pillar, holds up the truth. It supports the truth. God's church is to be a testimony to God's truth. And it's called to guard and protect it and rebuke any false teaching, any wrong teaching, any incorrect teaching. What are pastors called to do? Well, well, Paul writing to Timothy in chapter two, verse in chapter in two Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, Paul writes to us pastors: Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's my aim and my goal. Every time I teach, preach, pray, sing, the word of truth has to be in there. When I preach, am I preaching the truth? Behind me is our banner and it says, we preach Christ crucified. Is that the truth? Yes. So pastors are called to do one thing only, and that is to give their congregation the truth through what they preach. Why is this important? Why is it important for pastors to rightly handle the word of God and preach the truth every Sunday? Teach the truth when they have home fellowship groups and pray the truth and sing the truth. Why is it important? Well, it is important for the congregation. 2 John 4 says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. How do people walk in the truth if they don't hear the truth? How are they going to behave according to the truth? They're not. If I don't, if I don't teach my children to behave rightly and properly in the home, then they're going to do as they please. And that's what I'm going to get from them. And that's what I expect from them. But if I don't teach them how to behave and, and do things in a way to prepare them for life in the home, then I expect them to do as they please. And that's the same as the church. If the pastor is not preaching the word of truth, then how can he expect his congregation to walk in the truth? Again, John writes in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And the same is for me. It's no greater joy for me to hear that Robertson Reform Community Church is walking in the truth. Perfectly? No. But at least that's what we're striving to do, is to walk in the truth. And it's my responsibility as your pastor to bring that truth to you. I'm accountable for you. And to help you go back and, and learn from the scriptures so that you can continue to, to learn this truth, to walk in truthfulness. So, so pastors are supposed to make sure God's people walk in truth. They need to speak, they need to preach the truth in love with a tender heart. We are commanded by God to preach the truth. We just read that. We are called to rightly handle the word of truth. Now, when the foundation is strong and, and, the, and the pillars are well supported, 
the church will flourish. And, and the church will be the salt and light. According to the truth. They will, they will speak the truth in love to one another. They will walk in truth and love truth. They will, they will work together in love and harmony. Because it's the truth that binds them together. The local church is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth. Christ crucified is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the life and the truth. And that's who we build our churches upon. The Lord Jesus Christ. Upon Him who is the truth. Nothing less, nothing more. Just preach simple, truthful sermons to the people of God. Who are hungry to hear of the truth. So they can walk in truth out there and honor God through that. The local church is therefore also itself a pillar and the foundation of the truth. Now when we talk about pillar, we talk about as a pillar, the church is to hold the truth high. It is to, is to, is to hold the truth up and fight for that truth. It mustn't hide the truth from the pagan world. It must hold the truth and that is to preach the gospel of Christ. For us to, to speak the gospel of Christ into the world. The gospel of truth. So that we can not only live by it, but we can also make it known. And a church that is, that is a strong pillar, that is a pillar that is holding the truth up, will be such a church. Now as a foundation, pastors must hold the truth firm. We must all hold the truth firm. We must not let it collapse under the weight of of, of secularism, under the weight of false teaching, under the weight of materialism. We must hold the truth firm. We must defend the truth. And we must confirm the gospel of Christ. We must make this truth known. We must be the pillar that holds up the truth and the foundation that is the rock that we build upon. And we, we hold on to the truth to, through thick and thin. But does truth matter to us? Just before we see that, just, just listen to 2 Timothy 4. Why it's so, so important for us to, to, to fight for this truth. Why pastors need to be in the scriptures. Why we all need to be in the scriptures. Because Paul warns Timothy in, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God. This is at verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers. Wow, we see that in the churches today. Accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That we need to fight for this truth. Because it's so easy for the world to distract us, to get in our church, and to cause us to stop and turn away from listening to the truth. 
And then we get pastors and ministers to come in and tickle our ears and entertain us and make us feel happy. Be happy. Don't worry. Is that what we want from our churches? Does truth matter? To you and to me. Do we fight for this truth? Do we fend this truth? Do we spread the truth in love to the people around us? Paul warned the Ephesian elders, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. To, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Jesus did not only die for individuals, he died for a people, a body, a bride consisting of many people, which makes us the church. Christ Jesus is the head of our church. He is the truth. And he expects nothing less, nothing more, but just to speak the truth in love. So that the church can behave in a proper manner. The church can, can, can walk in a proper manner, in truth. And the church can, can, can protect the truth, can safeguard the truth. And it can behave in the world according to God's standard. And that's why we need to be in the scriptures. We need to be in God's word. We need to be filled with the truth. And to be filled with the truth is to be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Is that us? Do we want this truth to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Fully pleasing Him and then bearing fruit in every good work and then increasing in the knowledge of God so we come back and do the same? Does truth matter? Does it matter how we behave? In our church. And this second factor tells us that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And therefore, it does matter. It does matter how we behave in our churches. We cannot do as we please. The congregation needs to hear the truth, to be built up in the truth, so that to not only behave in a godly way in the church, but outside the church as well, in their homes, in the community, in their workplaces. So these two factors that we've looked at this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 to challenge us to see why it is so important to behave in the church God's way. And the first factor was the church is the place of the living God and the second factor is the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Will we be challenged to behave in God's church God's way? Well, if we, if we need to be challenged, we just need to look to the cross. There on the cross, Jesus died. There he gave himself up for the church to bring us to his Father, his possession, zealous for good works, so that we would walk humbly with him, knowing his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And the only way this verse can work is if we are obeying it and behaving in the church God's way.
We are called to show forth God's glory and excellence. And we are also called according to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, sorry. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we can no, no, no longer behave as people of darkness, but behave as people of light. And we need to behave as people of light, because we are called to proclaim the excellencies of Him. And how can we do that if we behave as we please in God's church? How is the world going to listen to the truth that we have for them? The gospel of truth, the good news, all about Christ Jesus. How are they going to listen to us if we behave as we please in God's church? Will we hear what God's word has to say to us and behave God's way in the church? Is behavior in God's church important? Yes, behavior in God's church is important. And it's important for us to behave God's way, God's standard, the way that He approves. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Scriptures that always help us to, to come back to the truth. There are times we can drift into complacency. There are times we can get caught up in our own opinions, in our own fancies, our own ideas. And we end up trying to tickle our congregation's ears and entertain them. So forgive us, Father. Please help us to turn back to the Scriptures, to handle this word accurately, and to keep preaching the truth which is what the congregation needs to hear. Father, give me the wisdom to do that. Give us all the wisdom to do that. And if we are not, Father, give us the wisdom to repent, to cry to you and ask you to forgive us. Father, be merciful to us at Robertson Reformed Community Church. Help me to continue to walk humbly and faithfully, preaching the truth so that we can all walk in the truth and speak the truth in love to our neighbor and share the truth. And proclaim His excellencies to the world. I pray that our behavior in Robertson Reformed Community Church is a behavior that you approve. And if you don't, Father, forgive us. Help us to really, really embrace the truth, the sacred scriptures, and walk in truth. And honor you through that. Father, give us wisdom to do that, please. Be merciful to us. Be gracious to us. I pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'm close with a benediction from Ephesians, the same benediction I closed with, with last Sunday, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And God's children say, Amen.